0: 1 Peter chapter 3 is our text for this entire series. If you'd stand with me as we read God's Word this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, we're reading verses 13 through 17. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated. But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when we are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. You may be seated. I just want to address one part of that, if you still get your Bible open. In verse 14, it tells us, do not fear what they fear. And what Peter is writing to us here is saying, you're a follower of Christ. Your life is better when you're following Jesus. Our worship team, everyone that spoke, spoke of the power of God in your life, the security of God in your life, the peace of God in your life. And because of that, we have a hope. Because of that, we are supposed to be able to we're, we're supposed to be able to see the big picture, but we're supposed to, also supposed to be able to look at the big picture of life and purpose and meaning. And when we do that, let's be honest, it's a terrifying world out there right now. It is terrifying. You can't even... You, you know, I remember when you used to go indoors to get out of the weather. Well, the weather comes indoors now. I was mean, it's crazy, man. You can't even take a subway train in New York City without getting flooded anymore. It's, it's just life is it, the world is just is just a scary, scary place, and we just remember, you know, you don't celebrate uh, September eleventh, 2001, you memor it, you remember it, you commemorate it. And I, I wonder how many of you, when you saw or heard things, it brought you back. Aylin said she remembers being in Spanish class. I remember driving to work that morning. And hearing on a radio show that a plane had just flown in and they were, it was like What's you know, somebody lose control and and then it, it just started unfolding and And it can bring back those feelings of fear that we have It can bring us to places that um, We don't necessarily talk with others about in public, but we keep to ourselves and those are the things we need to take to God in prayer and say, Lord, this is, what is, this is what is affecting me. This is what is, is beating me up. This is what is keeping me from becoming who you've called me to be. Help me deal with it. We have that peace. We're supposed to have that peace. And I know it's under attack. I know it's, it's difficult. There's so many distractions screaming at us today. But that's why we're in this series. Because there are distractions and there are questions. There are things that people are throwing our way and, and saying, what about this? What about this? What about this? Well, what about it? Too often we become terrified. We become scared. As 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17 says, we become intimidated. Well we're not to be intimidated. We have the answer. We have the answer to the questions To to one question is, what is life about? What is the purpose of our existence? The purpose of our existence is is, is to find a relationship with Jesus Christ and follow him. It's to prepare our souls for eternity in heaven. That's the secret to life. And that's what we have to keep in focus. Now, last week we started this message on the question... Why Jesus among other gods? And I gave you some, some statistics. Uh, throughout human history, it's estimated there are between 8 and 12,000 different gods, different deities that have been worshiped by different civilizations. <laughs> They're generally categorized into nine different categories. Uh, 4,300 different religions in the world right now. I mean, the numbers are, the numbers are just staggering. Uh, even as you know, our church was, was originally a Baptist church, and one of the reasons that I wanted to lead the church out of that denomination is because there are over 350 Baptist, denomin- De- Baptist k- kinds of Baptists, I guess is the best way to say it, in, in the world. And it's, it's more than that. Um, every, uh, Baptists are famous for not working out the problem, but splitting because of the problem. And they just keep splitting and splitting and splitting and splitting. And that's why we have over 350 different ones. So when somebody comes and visits and they see Baptist church, they, well, what kind are you? Well, it shouldn't be that difficult, right? You come to church to worship God. That's what, we, that's what you should be able to know and understand. But I gave you some statistics and I want to repeat those statistics uh, to you this morning, and as a way of of reminding us where we're at, I also gave you a whole bunch of information about uh, the uh, some some things about the weather and how the Bible prophesies changes in the weather. Um, if you want to hear that, you can go. Our sermons are all recorded. You can go back and hear that again. But how can Jesus be the only way to heaven, and how do Americans feel about Jesus, and how is that changing? I told you approximately 85% of the world identifies with some form of religion. 85%, if you do percentage, if you you remember your math, you round up, and five rounds up to the nearest ten, and it goes up to 90. So it's roughly nine out of every ten Americans, because there's no such thing as a half person, right? (laughs) Even though we had a law one time where it was only three-fifths of a person, um, so that Uh, I'm not going to go there. Anyway, um, but there's no half people. So it's uh, approximately 9 out of 10 uh, people in the world claim some form of religion. And more than 60% of born-again Christians between uh, the ages of 18 and 39 in America believe that Buddha, Muhammad, and Jesus are all valid paths to salvation. Well, that's a problem when the millennial generation believes that Jesus is their savior, but there's other ways to heaven. This is why we need to understand what the Bible teaches. Of those Americans who hold a biblical worldview, 49% said that reincarnation was a possibility after they die. 65% of teens and young adults agree that many religions can lead to eternal life. Over 30%, say they either believe that Jesus sinned just like other people when he lived on earth, or they aren't sure. Born again Christians between the ages of 18 and 55 who hold a biblical worldview, that means they believe in God's attributes, the accuracy of the Bible, salvation, and Jesus being sinless, dropped from 47% in 2010 to 25% in 2020. That's just a span of 10 years. We lost... uh, like 22%, that's one fifth. Among the general population, there's a drop from 13% to 6%. And I ended that with this quote from an article that isn't a Christian article, it's just a, a, uh, a researcher, a, a group of researchers made this statement after they took in and analyzed all these statistics. Uh, they warned that the belief and behaviors of younger Americans, especially millennia, millennials, threatened to reshape the nation's religious parameters beyond recognition. In fact, this radical spiritual revolution has created a generation seeking a reimagined world without God, the Bible, or churches. If you sit down and talk with teenagers today, and talk with college students today, that will not surprise you. Because that's where many of them are at. That's where many of them uh, claim to be. And that's what they want. In fact, I saw interviews with uh, young college students who, many of them, weren't even alive when September 11th hit, what, what happened in uh, 2001. Um, some of them uh, may have just been babies, but none of them that were interviewed could really, truly, consciously understand what was going on. And they said that they're being taught in their colleges and high schools and they want, they, don't, they want to downplay the role of religion in the terror attacks and they want to downplay the reasons why the attacks happened so that we can come more to unity. Listen, I'm not attacking anybody's religion but facts are facts. Facts are facts. You cannot have your own set of facts and your own set of truth. And we don't learn from the past if we don't accept the truth of it. That's not being mean. That's not being hateful. But that's what the truth is. Now, we started off uh, in this sermon and the first point I said, I asked the question, uh, how do we we answer this question? Why Jesus among other gods? Why? How, How do we come about... Uh, giving a passionate biblical answer, not a not a, an emotional answer, a biblical answer that is satisfactory, that states the case, not our case, but states the case for Jesus according to the Bible. Well, the first point I shared is really all we need, although we're going to go into more of it. It's it boils down to this because the Bible tells us that he's the one and only true God. We sang that this morning. You're the one true God, Stephen Curtis Chapman. You're the one true God. Out of over 12,000 different deities that have been worshipped down through history, Jesus is the one true God. No other deity gave his life a ransom for many. No other deity said, you can't do it on your own, so I will do it for you. And all you have to do is accept it. That's what makes Jesus so much different than other gods. He's the one true God. So that brings us to our next point. We're picking up the the sermon here. Why should we care about people? (laughs) Isn't that that a, 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 a very pertinent question today? Why should we care about people? People don't care about each other. Life is... Uh, life is taken for granted not it, not just by those who wage war but but by people nowadays by little every everyday human beings and we're using it as a we're using it as a way to describe people listen i i i, t- I took the vaccine i I'll, I'll, I'll get the booster shot i don't want i don't want covid Okay, I'm just going to be flat honest with you. I don't believe, I, the conspiracy theories are just foolish on their, on their face. Okay, just, I'll say that to begin with. But I've seen people go through it. I've watched people struggle with it. I don't want it again. I don't want it. I don't want anybody I know to die from that disease that they could stop. Listen, I took, I got plague, the plague one and plague two when I was in the army because I didn't want the bubonic plague, the thing that wiped out millions of people. But if you don't want to get it, if you have valid reasons for not wanting it, that's up to you. I don't think you hate others. I don't think you don't love your neighbors. I think you have valid reasons for not wanting it. And that's up to you. But now, just because people disagree, we're saying they're not valid human beings anymore. And that's where we're getting to. And sadly, it's happening in the Christian world as well. Because Christianity, people of faith, are walking away from what truly matters, our faith, and are getting involved in societal issues that while are important as citizens, are not the ultimate purpose for us being here. You see, even if you get involved in a cause... There should be a purpose for the kingdom of God behind you getting involved. So why should we care about people? Well, first of all, I would say this: as far as believers go, why should we care about other believers? Why do I encourage you to invite your friends uh, who have left the church, your friends who are uh, have walked away? They've been hurt in church. Uh, they don't believe in. They say they don't believe in organized religion. Uh, whatever. Why should you care about them? Because they're turning away from the true faith. They're turning away from the true faith in Jesus Christ. And every time we lose a soldier, the human element of our cause gets weaker. And what happens with most Christians when they turn away from faith, they turn to something else, and they become embittered against their faith and emboldened to speak out against it. Now, some of that is our own fault as as the church. We've become judgmental. We've become angry. We've been more concerned about what we... We've been more concerned about how we present our service rather than what we present. It's not been about the content or the character of what we're sharing, it's been about how we do it because we think how we do it is going to attract people. Well, that's fallen on his face because the more more we focus on how we do it instead of why we do it, the more we lose focus on what truly matters and the more we see our leaders falling one right after the other. And when our leaders fall, listen, I understand that whether or not I want it, whether or not it's a small group of people. People are watching me as the pastor of a church. We were, Aaron and I and the boys went to East Longmeadow football game on Friday night. It was great, it was fun. It was like stepping back in time. And I told boys, I said, I played on that field when I was in high school. And uh, we saw a lot of the kids from high school that we, uh, we see in the lunchroom. And two parents were sitting in front of us, two moms. And I didn't know what to do, man, because they turned around and they said, recognize you? Like, oh boy. I'm too high up and too slow to get away from this. And they thanked me. One of them said, thank you so much for what you put on the forum. Because no matter how ugly it gets, you try to turn it around to a positive. And we really appreciate that. I really appreciate what you do. And I breathed a sigh of relief. <laughs> didn't, didn't know if they were going to pull something out and, you know, have me take it out. But whether I like it or not, whether I know it or not, and whether you like it or not or know it or not, people are watching you because of your faith. People are watching you because of the stands you take, because of the way you live. And it's important that we see the big picture of what truly matters in our life. And whether you realize it or not, or whether you like it or not, or whether you want to admit it or not, your friends who have walked away from church are watching you right now. Your friends who never went to church, but see a change in you, because you're, going, you're, you're, you're working on your relationship with Jesus, and you're drawing closer to him, and that it's making that difference that he promised it would make in your life, they're watching you. Why should we be concerned about people Because people need Jesus. The lost need to be found. They need to find their way to him. And the disconnected and the broken need to be reconnected and healed. That's what we need. You see, they don't need my opinion. They don't need my my take on things. And I'm getting less and less... um, Vocal about getting into conversations I, I said I want to g- I, I just Aaron Aaron's been going to the gym with me now and she she gets a little annoyed because she's she's like a she's at it man she's on the machines and she's working out and she's and i I do what I need to do and Lewis has worked out with me before and Lewis with the with the group um, you you work you work out but you also have conversations at the same time and and it's we it's, it's all about relationship building and having fun at the gym because sometimes lifting weights isn't fun, it hurts. And we just, we, we talk and I like to talk. <laughs> that's, that's how Lewis and I became friends. We talked at the gym. That's it, talk sports, talk sports. But they need Jesus. They don't need my opinion. They don't need my political take. They're going to get that all they want. They need Jesus. Your friends who have walked away from church, man, I mean, we need them back. <laughs> we need them back. They need to be back at church. Why should we care about people? Because they need Jesus. Now, as far as people walking away from Christ, walking away from the church, walking away from their faith, quite honestly, this shouldn't come as a surprise to us. It's been prophesied. Another reason why I believe we're in the end times is what's happening to the church. Second Timothy chapter four, verse three and four, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. Not what they need to hear, what they want to hear. They'll turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. You have no idea how many conversations I've had in the last month or two with believers who are looking for a church. They're, They're floating around looking for a new church, and they're looking for a church who will line up with their social causes. Listen, you're welcome to come to our church. You're welcome to be involved in in social causes. I I encourage you to be a good citizen, to make your voice heard. But this is the place for that. This is the place to teach the word of God. This is the place to preach morality and ethics. Now, the morality and ethics and the worldview we learn in here is what we take out there. And that should influence the kind of citizen we are. That should influence the kind of stands we take. And we have good people in this church, people I love dearly, who are on the right and on the left and in the middle. And they all have a solid reason for being where they're at. You see, God will will put into your heart and develop in your mind what he wants you to understand and what really truly should matter to you in your life in the way you affect the world around you. Some people, listen, you can use your your politics and your social stand to reach people for Christ. You You can start to talk with them and help them to understand that not all Christians carry signs that say God hates you because of your lifestyle. And you can be a witness simply because of the way you live out your morality. We need to stop fighting amongst ourselves about who is the better Christian because we supported this political candidate and understand that Jesus cares about their soul, not about their vote. (laughs) 2 Thessalonians 2.3 says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. The apostasy there is the great falling away. It's a great falling away from faith. It's, it's prophesied that in the end times, which is where we're living in right now, the statistics I just read to you about people leaving their faith and leaving the church, that's prophesied prophesied. It shouldn't come as a surprise. Now, that doesn't mean we should accept it as inevitable. That doesn't mean we should give up and say, oh, well. That means we should redouble our efforts to live the way we should live and to share the way we should share. Matthew 24, 24 says, for false messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Listen. Let's just get point blank and personal. As far as Christians go, many of you know Christians who are struggling with their faith. They're struggling with the church. They're struggling with the things the church did to them. They're struggling with the way the things church, the church did to their friends and family. They're struggling with how to make their faith connect with how they feel. How do you do? How do you do? Maybe that's one of maybe you're one of those people who are trying to connect your faith with the way you live your life and and with your politics and whatnot, like I said, don't really care what your politics are. I, I really don't. What I care about is what your morality is, how you live your faith, how your faith makes you and causes you to live out there in the world. It takes all types. May I say without getting people angry with me, it takes a village. It takes a village. It takes people from all different walks, all different stands to make things work, to reach the world for Christ. I'm not looking to build a Republican church. I'm not looking to build a Democratic church. I'm looking to build a church for the kingdom of God. I'm looking to reach people with the gospel. I'm looking to do my part to help build up lives that see people not as votes or not as those who would agree with them and be on their side and be another voice to shout the others down, but to be people of passion and people of faith and people of love and people of commitment who will reach out to those in need, who will reach out to their friends who have been hurt in church and don't want to be here. You all have them, folks. You know it, and it's time we acknowledge that. It's time we acknowledge that we all know people who have given up on church. And it's time we take responsibility for that. It's not your fault, but you might be the solution. We can't afford to keep losing people. The church and the mission of Jesus Christ will never become irrelevant to the world. But we're, let, me just be, let me just tell you, folks, the lifeboats are out. And what many of us are doing right now by going through the motions is simply rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. And we're seeing the loss of people as inevitable. They're not Thanos. They're not inevitable. It's time that we take responsibility for our friends who have walked away. And it's time we address with them and have that that honest heart-to-heart that says, listen, man, why? What was it? Listen, my sister, what was it that took you away? Well, listen, I go to a church that can help you. I go to a church that cares. I go to a church that's not going to beat you up, that's not going to judge you, that's not going to try to ply your political thinking. I go to a church where Jesus is preeminent, where the worship that we sing is passionate, where people feel inside what they know is true, and you're welcome there, and you're safe there, and we want you there, and I'm going to keep bugging you until you come back to church. I'm going to keep on you, I'm gonna, and I'm going to tell you every time, I'm going to tell you every time, hey, we got church on Sunday, 10 o'clock, be there. The beauty of our time now is you could say, hey, listen, you could check us out online first. You could check us out online and that'll make you, that, that might calm a little fear in you and then come back. And then folks, even more so than that, More so than restoring people to faith, it's time for us to catch a burden for the lost. (laughs) You cannot swing a dead cat in our area without hitting someone who needs Jesus Christ. Sorry if you love cats. How many of you have ever heard you can't swing a dead cat without hitting... Come on, thank you, thank you, thank you, you young people. You (laughs) You have no idea how to make an analogy. Don't understand. They're they're everywhere in our area. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Why else should we care about people? Why else should we redouble our efforts and, and, and really do our best to catch a burden for them, because all of this can be incredibly discouraging and disheartening. Let's just be honest. Everything that's going on, everything that we're facing, everything that we're seeing, everything that's happening in society today can be incredibly discouraging and disheartening. People, have asked, people ask me all the time, what did you do? How's your church? How did your church do, do during COVID? I said, our church actually has come out stronger we really did. We came out stronger f- from COVID than we, did go- than we were going into it. Financially, we're in a better position. Uh, spirit-wise, uh, we, we just came out stronger. Well, how'd you do it? We just kind of focused on the main things. And I, d- I don't know how you did it. I know how I did it. I know that I focused on my faith. I know that I didn't, I didn't, I wanted to be in the eye of the hurricane, not the eye wall. Because the eye of the hurricane is where the calm and peace is. The eye of the hurricane is where the beautiful sky is. The eye wall is where you get tossed around and, and your boat gets wrecked. And I wanted to make sure I stayed centered. I went through everything that you did. My family went through everything you did. We might have gone through more than you. We might not have, we might have gone, gone through less than you. But we went through it. But we kept the main thing the main thing, and that was Jesus. And my sole focus and purpose professionally for the, over the la- over those 18 months was to make sure my church was there at the other side. And now, folks, we're, we're just about there. We're having a, a set, some setbacks, no doubt about it, and that's gonna continue. I just hate to tell you it's gonna continue. <clears throat> but we've got to get back to doing what we're supposed to do. The ground we lost in 18 months is is phenomenal. The ground that the church lost in 18 months is just unbelievable. We need to get that ground back. We need to realize that we are close to the end and that those people who don't know Jesus are quickly slipping away to a place of no return. Getting to a point where they will never listen to the gospel. Not that they won't have the chance, because they'll always have, everybody always has the chance. But the Bible says you can get to a place where your conscience is seared with a hot iron and nothing can get through it. And that's that's not saying that God has hardened and made cold your heart, because he doesn't want you to go to heaven, that means that you make a conscience choice to be a person who will never accept Jesus Christ. Listen, as a Christian, it's no fun to always have to defend your beliefs from ridicule. Not just questions. Questions are great, but from ridicule. And that's where we're at now. We're being ridiculed for our faith. There are actively Lawmakers trying to legislate us out of existence in America that's happening It's no fun to see people walk away from Jesus in the church and it can be very discouraging It can be very disheartening The easy way out is just to give up and walk away yourself But that's not what we do That's not how you learned Jesus we need to understand that Satan is a master of distraction. He's a master of distraction. He will get you and your mind on everything other than where it should be. He'll get you so wrapped up. He'll get you more concerned about whether you have to wear, listen, I'm not going to ridicule, okay? I'm just going to be honest here. He'll get you more concerned about whether or not you have to wear a mask to go buy some grapes and bananas. And your rights, I, you, everybody can make a case. You make your case. Wonderful. You know what the, you know what the rules say. So, listen, can I, just be, can I just be John the citizen for a minute? Please don't be that fool that walks in just to make a point And then makes it. Those people that are working there, at those stores, at those restaurants. Ask, ask Drew, who is an owner. They don't like having to do, they don't like to have to be a policeman. But if, so if you don't want to do it for yourself, I don't care, it's your life, your choice. Do it for the people who are there, who don't want to have to deal with your foolishness. That's just point blank and personal. Do it for our friend Melvin and his wife, who, who has to make hard decisions for a city but he does it with a good heart. And he does it for doing what's best. Do it for bus drivers like Cliff and Sue Nurse. Do it for those people so that they don't have to put up with your guff. <laughs> we're supposed to be Jesus to the world, folks. I th- well, I'm not going to say Jesus would wear a mask because I'm not going to speak in his place, okay? I don't think he would have to. But I think the attitude that he would want you to have is, just show, just show my love to people, that's all. Just show my love, whatever that looks like. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Dr. Dave Jeremiah said this, Satan isn't just given to one approach. If he can take the word of God away from us by undermining its authority, he will take us away from the word of God by giving us another basis of authority. Satan has developed just such a substitute, and it seems to have a great attraction for many people. It's called experience. People become so wrapped up in their spiritual experience that they no longer look to the word of God for their authority. Their experience becomes the determining force in their lives. It's all about your experience. It's all about the revelation, listen, some people take it upon themselves to say they are now prophets and they have dreams. Listen, your dream came from bad pizza. Your dream didn't come from Jesus. All right? I've, uh, I try to keep up on these things and there's, there's one prophetess who she, she claims that she had a vision from Jesus and saw people fishing in heaven. So what? <laughs> What's the purpose there, man? What's the purpose? She also, she also said this. She said, I, I, I was given a tour of heaven. And it was like Disney World. There were roller coasters. And it was family friendly. And Walt Disney made it to heaven. Here's where you try the spirits. Walt Disney, this is what she said, Walt Disney made it to heaven. Because he did so much for families when he was on earth, like, okay, I don't think I'm gonna need to ride Superman in heaven to be happy that I'm there. just saying, but listen, it's important that we keep focused on what truly matters. We can multitask we can do we can do two things at the same time as long as one of those things is keeping us keeping ourselves straight on the path of Jesus Christ and focused on what he has called us to do and making sure that our entire lives are woven together into a pattern, into a tapestry that glorifies Jesus Christ. People are dying and going to hell. They need us to live that way. Why else? Because many of your family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, and people you don't even know truly are on their way to hell. If the Bible is true, and I believe with every ounce of my being that it is, you've been made a watcher. You've been made a sentry. In basic training, those of you who went through basic or boot camp, as the Navy calls it, and the Air Force, I think they call it recess. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. You always had to pull guard duty. I always had to pull guard duty at some point. And I remember, man, I'd, because I went to the range, the rifle range, and I qualified. I hit 35 out of, 30, 35 out of 40 pop-up targets. So I, my reward <laughs> was to guard a buffer factory. 24-hour guard duty. Four hours on, four hours off. And I'd do my four-hour shift, and I'd go, and they'd take us back to the barracks, and we're supposed to eat, get cleaned up, and sleep for our next four-hour shift, all in four hours. And, of course, it takes 20 minutes to get back, and all you, so you end up getting about an hour to sleep. And around the fourth tour of duty, I was dead on my feet, dead on my feet, I was, a, I was sleepwalking through my guard duty. I can remember back uh, at that time, I, w- I walked a section of the fence, and I don't remember the 40 steps I took in between. All I remember is that when I got to the other end, there was an officer waiting there for me, asking me how things were. Well, the Russians haven't come in and stole our floor buffers yet, so I guess we're okay. But I often think about that and think about what would have happened if I was doing guard duty during wartime and that's how I did it. And I slept walked my way through some of that. What are the dangers that could have taken place? What were the ramifications of me not being the watcher, the guard, the sentry that I was supposed to be? And then I liken that to what God has told us we are to this world. Ezekiel chapter 3 verses 17 through 19 tell us what our call is, what our responsibility is, and what the consequences are of being a sentry that doesn't do their job. Son of man, I've made you a watchman over the house of Israel. When you hear a word from my mouth, give them a warning from me. If I say to the wicked person, you shall surely die, but you don't warn them, You don't speak out to warn him about his wicked way in order to save his life. That that wicked person will die for his iniquity. Yet I will hold you responsible for his blood. That's point blank and personal. I will hold you responsible for his blood. Listen, we're, we're tossing that phrase around like it's candy nowadays, aren't we? Oh, they have blood on their hands. Oh, they have blood on their hands. Oh, they have blood. We want to do everything we can to make sure that people aren't responsible for their choices. No, man, it's your choice. You're the one that chose to do that. Not, not their fault. Not, not, not that person. Not, not somebody else's fault. But with Jesus, he says, you're, you're to give the message out. You're to share the message of salvation. You're, you're, you're to share the message of freedom. You're to share the message of what life is all about. And if you don't, and they die in their sin, you're the one responsible. Now, he says this, but if you warn a wicked person and he does not turn from his wickedness or his wicked way, he will die in his iniquity, but you will have rescued yourself. So there is a way out of responsibility, and that's called living your faith and sharing your faith and sharing the love of Jesus with people taking every opportunity you can not only to live Jesus, but to share the message of truth. Listen, if you're going to be a true follower of Jesus and a true sentry for the kingdom of God, you've got to learn how to share your faith. That's why we have Wednesday nights. That's why we have discipleship. So that you can learn the basic root. Well, I'm, I'm intimidated. Listen, <laughs> You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have gone to college. You can have just a Sunday school understanding, an Awana understanding of the scriptures and run circles around most people in society today. They don't know what the Bible says. So it's our responsibility to share with them the truth. It's their responsibility to respond, not ours. You don't save anybody. You share, you go, you tell, you, you say, come and see. Listen, your friends that are, have walked away from church, they're going to doubt everything you say about new life. <laughs> sure as sure shooting. They're going to doubt everything you say about, there's no way. What did one disciple say to the other? I found the Messiah. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Hey, come and see. Come and see. We've got to take it seriously. We've got to get back nose to the grindstone. They will spend eternity in hell without Jesus. It's highways and hedges time, folks. As I was praying and preparing last Sunday to bring, to bring this sermon... Holy Spirit just brought to my mind the parable of the wedding feast. You remember the parable, right? Where the the feast was prepared and the master of the feast sent them out, sent invitations out to all his friends, to all his family. And the messengers came back and they said, invited him, but there wasn't a huge response and there's still room. He says, okay. Well, go out to the influential people. Go out to the business leaders. Go out to uh, the, the people that I, I, uh, I connect with in business on that level. Go out to my acquaintances. And they did that. And those, acquaint- those, those messengers came back and they said, Master, they still haven't responded and there's still room. He says, okay. Okay. This is what you do now. This is what you do. You go out to the highways and the hedges, the byways, the side streets, the back roads. You go down to the river. You go anywhere you need to. You go to where the fish are. Why go fishing? Because that's where the fish are. You go to where the fish are and you invite them because there's room in my house. Folks, we're at highways and hedges time now. We're at a time where it's time to just live Jesus, to just share Jesus. Why? Because they need to hear. And it's time to shine your light to everybody. Shine your light in any way possible. How do you get over the fear of living in a COVID world? How do you get over the fear of living in a world that is falling apart around us? How do you get over living in a world of fear that is run by people who are afraid, that is lived in by people who are afraid? Just give me Jesus. He said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. You focus on Jesus in your life, in your home, and in the way you live out there. Just give me Jesus. Because that's all I need. And that's all they need. We're at highways and hedges time, folks. It's time to go out and compel them to come in. It's time to put together a team. It's time to build. It's time to prepare. It's time to put out that last big push before time is no more so that we can bring in to the feast all because all are welcome. We'll stop there today. We'll pick this up again next week. I intended to finish, but not even close. (laughs) Folks, if you remember one thing from this sermon today, remember this, it's time to live Jesus with passion to everyone you see to everyone you see because everyone you see needs jesus let's pray lord we thank you so much for the privilege of being here today the privilege of a place to worship the privilege of a church family the privilege of freedom to do as you've called us to do lord we know our time is short the hour is late And Father, the tide has turned against what we believe. But that's just the tide of humanity. That's not you. Lord, you are the one true God. You are the one that is alone in greatness. You are the one who reigns forever. And sometimes I I think we forget who the captain of our faith is and who truly is in charge. Father, I pray for the courage to stand, the courage to live a life of faith without compromise, a life of purpose and passion. Would you open doors for us? Open doors of conversation? Not so that we can win arguments. That's, there's too much of that going on but so that we can be sharers of the truth. God, live through us this week. Burden us for your kingdom. Burden us for the lost. And may we praise you in all things. In your name, amen.